0: to grant me all the longing hopes that The text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, or the epistle, sorry, specifically these words For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. This is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That, to get this text, to really meditate on it, you first have to get, understand what the word gospel means here. The word gospel can be used for a variety of definitions. The word gospel literally means good news, but people will use it to refer to the the books of the Gospels, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some people may use the term gospel to refer to the entirety of Scripture, to the entirety of salvation story, all the way from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. But here, Paul is using it in what we would say the narrow sense. And that is, the gospel is nothing more than Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the gospel in the narrow sense. And it is that gospel of which Paul is not ashamed of which he is eager to preach, of which I believe we tend to take for granted, which, and sometimes we are ashamed of it. To appreciate the gospel, it begins with understanding the law. For, for Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, the repentance and the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. So, re- so the law is preached for repentance, and the gospel is preached for the forgiveness of sins. Because without the law, the gospel is meaningless. In fact, there is no gospel without the law. And the law states, the primary, number one purpose of the law is to condemn. It's to show that we are indeed sinners. That we have not kept God's law. None of those ten commandments have we kept. When it says, you shall not covet, we see things that we want That is not ours. We are not content with our lives. We want the grass, we don't want the grass to be greener on the other side. We want it green on our side. We want to keep up with the Joneses. When it says you shall not bear false, bear false witness against your neighbor. We love to gossip. We love to talk about other people's stories, about other people's situations. And it says we shall not steal, we shall not commit adultery, we shall not murder. When it says we shall not murder, we see those who are in need but don't help. We see those who are our neighbors and we think, We wish harm upon them. We think bad thoughts about them. That is to commit murder in our hearts. When it says to honor your father and your mother, that also means that we are to honor all authorities, including the governing ones. So when you are driving down Highway 18 or Highway 9, whatever highway, your choice, and it says 55 miles per hour, and you're driving 56 or higher, that is a breaking of the fourth commandment. The only only excuse to disobey the government is if the government's rule is against God's law. And sorry, there is no Bible verse against the speed limit. So you're supposed to obey it. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We disobey that by whenever we, not only when we miss church, but when we attend church, go out the doors and forget everything that was said. The second commandment, it says that you are to not use the Lord's name in vain. We do this there, we come up with clever ways to do this. We say things like, oh my gosh, or oh geez. Gosh is just a, a shortcut of God to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Or Jesus is short for Jesus. Or when we're texting or sending emails or whatever, we write OMG, which means oh my God. Or we neglect to pray. When we neglect to pray, we don't, that is when we don't use God's name at all. And of course, the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Yet Friday... We had the inauguration of President Donald Trump. And you could see that first commandment being broken. Not by Donald Trump, but you could see it in the crowd. So many people decked out in Donald Trump gear. All excited. But how many of those people do you think are in church this morning? How many of those people are decking themselves out in in their faith? Boldly showing off that they are a Christian. That they are a child of God. How many of them are as willing to do that as they are to show that they voted for Donald Trump? And on the flip side, the people who are rioting and protesting constantly... They're showing that they believed that the government could actually bring solution to the problems of our world. They're showing that their faith is in government. Both groups are trusting not in God above all things, but trusting in other things. We all sin. And when I say we all sin, and I say ah, that's no ah, we all sin, no big deal. I'm saying it's reality. We are all guilty. We are all carrying the guilt that has led to the fact that there are that we are that we get sick and we die. If it weren't for sin in the world, there would be no nursing homes. There would be no hospitals. There would be no funeral homes. There would be no police officers, no firefighters, no EMTs, nothing, because nobody would ever get sick. There would be no crime. There would be no houses burning down. But because there is sin in the world, these things are needed. That is the consequence of our sin. And when we face that day of death, what will meet us? What will we see? If we stand upon our works. And if you, were to do a trip, if you were to do a survey of most Americans, and you were to ask them, do they believe they're going to go to heaven? Their answer will say, yeah, you know, you know I made my mistakes here and there, but I think I'm pretty good. And I'm, I'm about as good as anyone else, and I think God will save me, will let me into heaven. But the reality is, is that, no, we're not. None of us are good enough. If we stood before God based upon our own merit, based upon our own righteousness, our own goodness, we would be condemned. We would be sentenced to eternal hell. Where there is no happiness, there's no laughter, No sunshine, and I know you think there's no sunshine today, but there are some days. No good thing, and see that law is which is what leads to the reason the gospel is such an incredible message. It is a message that says that while, and actually here the English doesn't get it quite right. The English gets the tense wrong. The Greek has it in the present. It says, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, Jesus did not come to you and say, doesn't come and say, well, I will forgive you once you kind of start getting better. If you start doing you stop, you know, stop sinning so much and you start doing nicer things, then I will forgive you. No, it is while you are a sinner Jesus pours his forgiveness on you. His for, the forgiveness that was won on the cross. Would you if you were to take I've said this. You've probably heard me say this before. But if you were to take every single good work that any per, every person in the history of the world has ever committed, every good deed, and you were to throw it into a pile, and you were to take all the money, all the all the wealth, all the possessions, and throw it into one big pile, it would still not be enough. To save even one person. The only thing that was able to save anybody is the blood of Jesus. And by the blood of Jesus, the whole world is saved. That's the gospel. And it's given to you as a gift. A gift is something that you, are, that you do not on you get not on account of what you have done. If you have to do something for it, then it's a paycheck. It's not a paycheck. It's not a payment. It's not a reward. It's a gift. Given to you. All of your sin, every last one of them, was washed away, pushed from you as far as the east is from the west, to never return. It is that gospel which we are not to be ashamed. It is that gospel that is to be preached everywhere. It is that gospel which should be on our lips. Because by it, people are saved. It is that gospel that should be preached from the pulpit every single time you come to church. There's a, there's a pastor up in uh, Minneapolis. His name is John Piper. He's a Baptist preacher. And he does this, one, this thing that's called the gospel in six minutes. And he stands up there and he, tells everybody, he says to them, You never, listen to me, you never, ever, 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 you never, ever, ever, ever outrun your need to hear the gospel. Or as Luther said it, you need to hear the gospel every day. Because every day you forget it. You hear the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to, it says the Greek, but it should be better, the Gentile. If you're not a Jew, that means you're a Gentile. And Epiphany is the season of the Gentiles. There's, also, there's a story of, how many of you have ever heard of Dwight L. Dwight L. Moody? You ever heard of him? Or the, the Moody Bible Institute? Mo, there's a story of Moody. He did a revival in Chicago. It was a tent revival. He, thousands, like Hundreds and thousands of people came to hear him preach. It was a two-day event. On day one, he was going to preach on hell. And then on day two, he was going to preach on heaven. So on day one, he just preached, and he preached. He preached on hell, over, just hit hard on it. To the point that these people were absolutely terrified. And he, you know, he kind of felt bad about it. I was like, oh, I know this is really hard, but that's okay. Tomorrow I'm going to preach on heaven, and they're going to feel uplifted. Well, the great Chicago fire broke out overnight, And he never got a chance to preach about heaven. Which is how he learned the hard way that the gospel must always be preached because you may not get a second chance to do so. I mean, we've all seen that. Where somebody was in church that day, one Sunday, then later that week, they died. That might be the last opportunity. And by the way, that is not just to the pastor. It is to you. It is to you to tell your friends, your family, your co-workers, whoever you are in contact with, your, those who you go to school with, tell them about the gospel. Tell them of Jesus. Because that's why you are here. To tell people about the faith. To tell them that Jesus died on the cross for them. For their forgiveness. For it is the power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So we, may we, like Paul, be eager to proclaim the gospel. May we, like Paul, not be ashamed of it, not take it for granted. May we proclaim it till we, until we celebrate in its reward which is heaven, the bodily resurrection, where there is no hunger, no thirst, no, nor scorching heat, no freezing rain, no snowstorms, none of the ills of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep in the one true faith and the life everlasting. Amen. Please stand to sing create in me a clean heart